For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Georgia Dodge Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Snap to Young, drops back, pressure from the edges. He throws near sideline, and it's intercepted. Intercepted, Keely Ringo at the 21. Off he goes, 40, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30, near sideline. Breaks the tackle, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, 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 Georgia. Good evening, neighborhood. How about them dogs? 32, 18. Let the celebration begin. All right. What's up? What's up? What's up? Happy Friday. It's the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network or on just the Believe Network that is coming at you on the video side. Brinks.tv and uh, filling in for Israel. That's Stephen Willis from the Lockdown Ole Miss podcast. And we joined forces to execute the SEC After Dark podcast. Steve, what's up, man? How you doing? Not a lot. Um, having a good time. Happy to be here, man. Good, good deal, man. Well, you're uh, you're kicking ass on your uh, locked on Ole Miss show. I, I I watch it often, so man, you're doing a great job on that. And man, that just keep that content flowing. Yeah, thank thanks a bunch. It's it's a, it's a lot of fun. I basically started doing that to get my mind off of um, some medical issues I was having, and it's kind of worked out. And now I'm at a position to where it's just kind of growing on its own. It's pretty cool, actually. It's really cool, actually. Yeah, it's 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 a great thing, and and then the story of of how that all happened. I mean, you started your own deal, and then you got picked up by Locked On, and and uh, we kept it going with SEC after dark. So not to worry, your uh, your 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 baby is still alive on 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 that regard. So mm-hmm. uh, we are brought to you by BetOnline.ag. It continues to be your number one source for all your sports betting needs. Uh, you can bet on NHL next season you can bet on mlb uh do some golf stuff some ufc nfl futures college football futures we're going to get into that right here but uh in order to join you can pull up the website or use your mobile device put that promo code believe to get your 50 percent welcome bonus that's b-l-e-a-v to get in on the action bet online it's where the game starts steve i want to jump in right here uh, I, I was looking through, I, I was bet online has, they don't have national championship odds yet, uh, but they do have odds to win the each conference. So I, I thought this was interesting. Uh, obviously Alabama is number one at minus minus one fifteen. Georgia's number two at plus plus one sixty. Who do you think without looking, you've probably already looked, but who do you think is number three? Well, I have already looked, um, so actually, no, it is Texas A&M, yeah. which is weird. I didn't know you could win the SEC at eight and four, but here they yeah. are. 
Okay. Yeah, here they are. Alabama, Georgia must, must be having really down mm. years. If you're winning it at, at, at eight games. Uh, and I thought it was interesting. Kentucky Ole Miss uh, coming in. Uh, I think Ole Miss is a lot better than Kentucky this year. Uh, sorry, Vinny, but I, I just, you know, the, the, the pieces and, and uh, we talked about this earlier today. I mean, Zach Evans alone, I think ups your odds, maybe even challenging Alabama for the top spot in the West. I mean, at plus 3,300, you might be in some good money uh, to, to bet Ole Miss uh, just in case because they've got something special going on down there. And then you have Florida, Tennessee uh, at plus 4,000, plus 4,500 uh, 4, respectively. Arkansas, LSU, I think LSU is a little low. Uh, I think Auburn's a little high. Uh, then, of course, Mississippi State, South Carolina, probably right where they should be. Vanderbilt, Missouri, probably right where they should be as well. So, um, but looking at Georgia, you know, they are the second highest odds to win the SEC. It seems to be a crash course of or for Alabama, Georgia to meet in in Atlanta yet again. Why Why do we like Georgia's chances, Steve? Well, mainly they have a quarterback coming back. Um, even though they have all the turnover that's happened on the defense and even some skill players that's changed over, you do have the stability that a quarterback coming back will bring. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, I probably wouldn't touch a plus six, um, 160 line for Georgia because there's not probably much upside there. No. Um, the upside of these bets are probably at the Kentucky to Tennessee or Kentucky to Arkansas level on this, like, you, you can get out um, Arkansas for plus 5,000. Uh, I mean, get Ole Miss for plus 3,300. I mean, it's pretty solid bets. You go down and lay 100 bucks and end up with a decent amount of money if they pay off. Yeah, uh, and, and they have a really good chance of, of doing mm-hmm. so. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like how a lot of people are counting Georgia out already. Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying A&M is going to win the conference. A&M is – you know, Joel Klatt was on. It's 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 baffling because like they recruited all these people, but like they've been recruiting true well. Freshmen. Yeah, and they've been recruiting well for the last three seasons. They still went eight and four. Like I, I just something's not connecting here. And people, I think people just look at recruiting rankings and they don't really kind of they don't really do a deep dive. I mean, Isaiah Spiller, their best player, gone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, their best defensive lineman, gone. You know, they have a lot of people that are that are out and who they're going to replace them with. I don't think that A&M is in that spot where they can truly say we are reloading. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to say we're reloading if you're eight and four anyway and uh, opting out of your bowl game. Yeah. Can you really use the 12th man anymore after you no. just Mm-mm. let Wake pump, punk you in a gator bowl because you didn't have a quarterback? No, you can't. Yeah, yeah we're the, the 12th man just – Said, hey, I'm going to chill at the house. Yeah. And and AM's big problem is they've got 21 players on their team that anybody would want to have. Yeah. You can look at their lineup and they're just all there. And then they're just a dumpster fire quarterback. It's going to take Haynes King being the next Johnny Manziel to get them to where they think they deserve to be. Well, unless if Max not, Johnson, I mean, Max well, Johnson comes in, he he's pretty good, but I mean, he was yeah, just pretty a, good. He was just pretty good at LSU. So we, we don't really know what, what he's all about. Yeah, with better receivers. Yeah. And, exactly. and he does have a little bit of moxie to him. He does have yeah. a little bit of that it factor, but he went six and six at LSU. Yeah. Um, so until 
A&M has a quarterback that I can count on that's like, hey, this is a dude, um, pay attention to him. I'm not going to fall for A&M at all at any point no. moving forward. They're, they're in show me phase right now. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I, I think it's going to be an LSU, LSU, Alabama, Ole Miss division like it is and every it, year. Yeah, LSU is still a Jaden Dan, um, Daniels situation. Yeah, I mean, what, what is yeah. what is he going to do? Yeah, Jaden. Yeah. I think it's Jaden. Yeah, That's what, like what what like he came from, he comes from Arizona State. You can't really judge what he came, what he did at Arizona State because Herm Edwards is well, Herm yeah, Edwards. His, his offensive comp was when Kerry Collins played in the league. Yeah, it's yeah. Oof, it, it, it's it's brutal down. I'm surprised he's still. Well, he knows the AD, so I I, I am curious to what the offense is going to look like at LSU. Yeah, because. I mean, they're a decent team. They can do all of this stuff. But is he, is Brian Kelly going to go back to his spread roots? Because a lot of people don't even realize at this point, Brian Kelly, when he coached at um, Grand Valley State, was a um, row-your-boat type spread offense like Western Michigan and Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, the, the he did a lot, yeah, he, he did a lot of that same stuff. And mm-hmm. um, when he got to Notre Dame, he just kind of evolved to try and – it was like, this is be, this will be our way to win in the playoff, or this will be our way to win in the New York Six, New Year Six, and they just didn't have, honestly, the talent. They got placed in bowl games they probably didn't belong in, and in the last twenty years or something like that, um, Notre Dame is zero and eight in New Year Six or BCS bowl games. It's ooh, mm. it is baffling, mm. and what's what's scary is Notre Dame is they're going to be a lot better, and mm. Marcus Freeman. Like <laughs> Brian Kelly did them a favor by leaving. Marcus Freeman is going to be a stud. He he had he had Cincinnati's defense playing like an SEC defense uh, two years ago. Yeah, but Notre Dame, no matter what, is going to be like we talk about. Show me for Texas A and M. Notre Dame yeah, until that, they get past it, they are show me. Yeah, they they, they are still show me, but mm. I I think their upside is a lot greater than A and M's. And that show yeah, face. I, I can see that because they they're coming from a better starting position. Yeah, I mean they, they were a New Year's Six team last year, and they return a lot of that same talent. Mm-hmm. They didn't they didn't lose much at all, if anything, really. But yeah, I mean, I, what, what's uh, LSU's offense going to look like? They're going to be one big happy family. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's going to be. Um, but I just like people. Like when when people look at this Georgia roster, because you know obviously we are a Georgia show, so we're going to kind of focus mm-hmm. on that a little bit. When they look at this Georgia roster, people don't realize that the only real weapon that they lost that we lost was James Cook. Yes, but that's a hard weapon to replace. That is a really hard weapon to replace. But I I, I think you get Arik Gilbert finally in the fold he's finally healthy knock on wood um you're going to see a lot of 12 13 personnel um i i think the backs are going to hurt you in other ways like there's not going to be another back that can do what james cook did uh they're going to have to try to create it in the screen game and some of the other some of the other ways with mcintosh and milton and uh Dywan edwards but you know you you have ad mitchell who had a huge Huge finish to the season. He had some drops early on, but he he really kind of stepped it up. Uh, became that go-to receiver, Lad McConkey in the slot. He's kind of your go-get-it guy, and he can that dude can go too. 
Then you have Brock Bowers. You have uh, Kyrus Jackson's coming back. Uh, Marcus Rosemary Jackson. saying, I mean, you have a lot of talent that's returning. You're not losing much. You lose two offensive linemen, Jamari Sawyer, guard, Justin Schaefer, guard. So you lose two interior offensive linemen. Luckily, recruited very, very well there. Um, have some guys, have some studs that can step in. Uh, some more talented people, not necessarily rich in experience, but if you look at them on paper, they're more talented. You get a coaching change at the position. We don't really know what we're going to get on the offensive line. I think that's where kind of the, the pause is on the offensive side of the ball. Like, can they can they execute? And uh, fourteen can, personnel is what you're going to get. Yeah, or five personnel. <laughs> we're going to get yeah, five, five personnel. <laughs> <laughs> you got Brock Bowers at tailback, <laughs> and then go empty. <laughs> oh my god! Five tight ends. <laughs> we could legitimately do that. That's going to be hilarious. <laughs> No, but yeah, get that uh, get that tight bunch and fourteen personnel. Man, that would be dangerous, dangerous. You get Darnell Washington. Let's not forget uh, the NBA looking player. So, um, but my concern, the holes that I see are on the defense side of the ball. Obviously, you lose five first round people off of that off of any defense doesn't matter. That's hard to that's hard to replace. Oh yeah, like. Georgia will never give up six and a half points per game as a season average ever again. Like that, I don't want to say ever, but it's going to be really, a really long time before that happens again. Uh, especially in the age of NIL, because this is the thing that I don't think people realize. Georgia and Alabama are traditional recruiters, shall we say. Yeah. They recruit really well the way that recruiting was done five years ago. And they're going to continue to do really well in recruiting like we did five years ago. But the problem with NIL is some of the players that Georgia and Alabama was getting is now going to go to A&M, going to go to Miami and all these NIL monsters. And they're just going to build their roster. So Georgia and Alabama is going to have less, which in turns, those four-star players that maybe Georgia passed on, the Elijah Moores. Mm -hmm. that ended up going to Ole Miss, got passed on by Georgia, he might end up at Georgia in the future because it's going to spread out. So, yeah, I mean, it, it could all work out. It's going to look different. It's going to look, it's going to look vastly different. I, I think mm -hmm. you're going to see Georgia and Alabama be more players in the transfer portal in, in the future, because mm -hmm. you're going to lose a lot more guys. That's just a fact. Like if you're not starting hell, even if you are starting like, they're going to lose some guys and there's going to be some guys you're like, Whoa, like I thought he was all in, uh, you're going to lose those. But what's going to happen is there's going to be some dude down at Georgia state who finally gets academically eligible, like six, four, 200 pounds and runs a four, three, but he's at Georgia state because he couldn't qualify academically. Like that, that guy's going to get recruited out of the portal. Uh, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have Southern Miss just collecting cast-offs. You're going to have freaking Mac schools are going to be feeder programs for Ohio State and Wisconsin and Penn State and the Pac-12 superpowers. West, West, um, Troy Brown from Western Michigan, three-time all-conference player, transferred to Ole Miss. Yeah. I yeah, mean, Ole Miss, Ole Miss has going to happen. Two, both, yeah, both of is. the 2020 Big 12 Defensive Freshman of the Year, the, the co-freshman of the year, both are playing at Ole Miss now. It was Aishim Young. And Corey Coleman. 
it, it's truly going to be a uh, it's truly going to be a minor league system. The G five mm-hmm. is going to be a minor league system for P five. Like they ought to just. I, I heard somebody and, and Dan and I have talked about this. P two, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Dan and I have talked about this before too, as well. Is having uh, having conferences link up with a with a uh, with a G five uh, conference and do promotion and relegation within that conference, like. For example, let's say SEC goes into uh, links up with the Sun Belt, right? Vanderbilt goes down to the Sun Belt, and Abolition State comes up into the SEC, and like you, you have like two or three teams trading spots. How awesome would that be? Well, that would be awesome, but that would also never happen. No, it's it's just fun to think about, though. The best way, the best thing for you to think of in this situation would be like a twenty-four team SEC with two 12-team divisions where everybody's making the same amount of money and the the top three teams move up, the bottom three teams move down, the top teams play for the title, and the bottom teams, I guess, they're they're fine. They just, you know, they're just the bottom teams down there. Yeah, they just just kind of sit there. Um, Yeah, I I, I like that too. I mean, I just like, Mm. you know, like the – I would like to have like three, you know, just have like major college football just be like, one entity where you have like 40 teams or however many, like you want to divide 12 by three and you have 36 teams have 40 teams and, or whatever, 42 teams. The the funny thing is when, you know, we've talked about um, real college football realignment for two decades. People don't even really. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the power five is going to break away from the NCAA eventually. Well, this is what it looks like. Yeah. Everybody's freaking out now. Yeah. yeah. This is what it looks like. This process started a long time ago when Miami and Virginia tech left. I mean, the, the big dominoes started when Miami and Virginia tech left the big East for this, for the ACC. Mm -hmm. That was like 2006, wasn't it? Yeah. somewhere, Somewhere in there. It, it was uh, Miami and Virginia Tech. When did the Louisville move? Uh, I think they were a little bit after that. A couple of years later, um, they had another. It was like 11, 12 when you had a, like a mass realignment, like when A&M Missouri joined the uh, SEC. You had like Utah jump into the Pac-12. Uh, you had Colorado jump from the Big 12 to the Pac-12. You had, uh, I think, Syracuse. BC, Pitt, and Louisville joined the ACC. You had you had a lot of movement. Maryland jumped to the Big Ten later, you know, a couple of years later. Rutgers jumped into the Big Ten. I don't know how the hell that happened, but they did. Yeah, the Big Ten is concerned about markets. That's it absolutely hilarious. They're doing the same thing in L.A. with USC and UCLA. They are all concerned about markets, and they just want to be in like the seven of the top ten, and they think that that is going to be enough to hold them. Um, no, other than having one team in like Virginia, if like I, on, on SEC after dark, I, um, you can ask Corey, I said this Virginia and North Carolina would be a prefer, um, preferable expansion spot for the SEC because carriage fees are still a thing. They're not completely gone, yeah. but there's also a cultural fit that becomes the main thing. And that's where the Florida state, that's where the Clemson comes in. It's, it's truly still a Southeastern where. conference. Yeah, it, it wouldn't change. The Big Ten, they're just a nationwide conference. They're like the AFC North or something. And <laughs> yeah, and the Southeastern yeah. Conference would still be the Southeastern Conference. 
yeah, it's, 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 you're getting all these power, you're getting all, you're collecting all these P5 teams, but you're, you're, you still maintain a lot of the regional rivalries. I mean, you get Clemson, mm-hmm. that's a huge get because now Clemson, South Carolina means a lot more uh, than just a rivalry. Now it's a conference rivalry at that. Clemson, Clemson, Georgia. Clemson, Georgia would get to be a thing renew. again. Yeah. yeah. They would renew. And I, I don't know how the pods and the scheduling would work or, you know, it, the more teams you add, obviously the more difficult it is to, to play everybody every other year, like kind of what we discussed with a nine and one or yeah, mm. it was a, was it a nine and no, what was it? A three and a six with a, a, a three permanent, three permanent and six, yeah, six, six rotating. rotating with, with nine conference and then games. seven and one. Yeah. Which yeah. I think both of those models are fine. I like the three and six better, but I, I like both of those models. It gets a little I don't because you, you get to keep Mississippi State if you're an Ole Miss fan, but you lose LSU. And I am not okay for that at all at no. any point. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously, I like the the, the three six better. Um, you know, three six is obviously better for a lot of reasons. Uh, it's a great, uh, great hip hop duo, three six mafia. Uh, it's, a, it's a good scheduling model for the SEC, and it is a, it is a good jersey number for a fullback, too. But um, that three six model—that's for sixteen teams. There's a chance the SEC never plays a game with sixteen teams. Yeah, there's a chance that we could just jump straight to twenty two. Yeah, like and that. I, you know, twenty teams, twenty four teams—that's kind of the sweet spot mm-hmm. because twenty teams would be five pods, and I know everybody's sick to death of hearing about pods. But once you hit twenty teams, it would actually make sense a little bit. But you could have a nine-game schedule with a 20-team SEC. You play everybody in your pod. That's four games. Then you have two permanent opponents. Um, and if you're Georgia, that could be um, Florida. That could be Auburn. If you're not in the same pod, if one of them is not, you'd pick up somebody else, you know. Mm-hmm. And then after that a permanent opponent, you play one team from the other three pods, and it's based off of where you finish. If you finish fifth, you play the fifth-place teams from the other pods. Finish first, you play the leaders, the winners of um, the pod. Are we going like leaders and legends here? No, no, no. (laughs) We're looking for a balanced schedule. You know, there's, that's a way that parity can be generated because there's no draft or anything like that. Yeah. But there, this is a way you could make everything because it would force Georgia to play a harder schedule than Vanderbilt. Yeah. 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 I, I like that too. I mean, anything mm-hmm. you could do to drive up competitiveness, and I think it, I think it brings the, uh, I think it brings the, the, uh, the markets up, and I think it brings the value of the games up when when you have that many more good games. Like, let's say, you know, you you play LSU, uh, Alabama, <laughs> and Texas, Texas, and and mm-hmm. Clemson all in the same schedule because like Alabama and Auburn would theoretically be in your pod, so you play them every year anyway. Mm-hmm. Then you get the the best of like, let's say Ole Miss has a really good year one year, and and mm-hmm. you get you get Ole Miss, you get Oklahoma, you get Clemson. It, it's, I mean, that's a freaking crazy schedule. And then <laughs> then you turn around and play Georgia Tech, uh, FCS school, and. I don't know. You some G five Georgia State. Um, yeah, you you go get like Georgia State or somebody like somebody in state like Georgia State, Georgia Southern on a rotating basis. That's pretty like pretty sporty schedule there. I think they should do um like a partnership with the Sun Belt. Yeah, and every team in the SEC's um G five game is a Sun Belt game against different teams. I mean, like an you really should. It, like, 
yeah, I don't know. It's like charity anyway. work. Yeah, it's like charity work for the Sun Belt for those younger yeah. schools, and they just come, take their whooping, go on. They probably you know beat Vanderbilt, but still, yeah. And they can even set it up. We'll make it up to where the bottom of the SEC plays the top of the Sun Belt. So like, um, Coastal Carolina gets Vandy. Ooh, that'd be fun. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I know we're kind of all over the place on our little PTI board over here, but yeah. um, can, can Georgia repeat? Absolutely. They can. Um, yeah. So that answers that question. But um, yeah, I, I like the idea. There's a lot of ideas you have. Um, one thing I really like about Clemson is when they do their FCS opponent, they really like, I think every four years they might go out of state, but they, they rotate between South Carolina state and Furman and Citadel. Like they, they stay and Wofford, they stay in the state of South Carolina, which is really, really good for them to do. I really like that they do that. That's smart. If you're playing an FCS team, if they have to go 300 or three states over and stay at a hotel, the money for that um, trip is defeating the money they're going to get for their budget. So keep it in state. Yeah. I mean, there's, pl- yeah. I mean, there's plenty in the Southeast. There's plenty of FCS schools. SoCon and uh, what's the other one? SoCon and uh, – Crap! What's the oh, Southland? Uh, Southland, yeah. I mean, you have plenty. They also have like the American Sun, I believe. Atlantic um, Sun, maybe I think. Atlantic Sun, because it's got like um Austin P and those guys in it. Jacksonville no, that's State. OVC. That's OVC. OVC. Okay. Yeah, the, the, all the so, Tennessee FCSs are in the OVC. Yeah, and I mean, if you're if you're an Ole Miss or a Mississippi State, play play Dion. He's right down the road. Yeah, play Coach Prime. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Mississippi. We'll get back. Uh, that's our realignment talk. But uh, speaking of Mississippi, mm-hmm. you know, you got Coach Prime over there, but uh, mm-hmm. he visited a, a school that's on Georgia's schedule. Where they are on Georgia's schedule, I think it's November 19th is the date. I don't like it there. I, I don't mm-hmm. like it at that date because you have Mike Leach in his third season late in the year. Luckily, it's a home game. But like, w- what is it about Mike Leach's team? They've been, they've, they were young the last two years. They finally got all this experience coming back. I think he's kind of got the program where he wants. Will Rogers is really good. His defensive line is playing like he has some, he's had some pretty good defensive lines in this time, but what they did to Auburn, mm-hmm. it's a tail end of last season. That's what makes me nervous about this game. What, what is it about Mississippi state? that's so scary. Uh, the experience and the, um, senior leadership that is kind of coming back because year three typically is a Mike Leach thing. We make that comment all the time, but it happened at Washington state. It happened to Texas tech. It's a real thing. But the reason I think that is is because there's juniors and seniors all over the roster. If you look at the two deep, it's almost all juniors and seniors. Yeah. He tears it down. Yeah. He tears it down in his first year and then kind of has, has a core group and just kind of builds them up. Now, the one thing I want to see from Mike Leach this year, and the thing that I think that'll make him more competitive in the Southeastern Conference is a more varied run game. Instead of having three run plays, maybe bump it up to six and do things do things like that. Um, yeah. If it's if they're eighty percent pass, it's not going to work in the SEC. They're just going to drop HU all day long. They're going to um, get to your quarterback eventually because they did lose on Charles Cross. Mm-hmm. Um, to the NFL draft, and and that's that's a replace. That's that's a hard replace for them, but they have good backs: Jaquavius Marks, Dylan Johnson, um, to go Who's with Will Rogers. 
Use them. Huh? Yeah. yeah. They Use have them. good backs. Use them. And their weak point is probably the wide receiver position. Now you have um Jaden Wally. You have um what's his name? Um Austin Williams. I wanted to call him Ashton. Austin Williams. <laughs> but I, I want to see yes. who transfers in, who's going to be the transfer that comes in and makes an impact. Yeah. They have some talent on that roster, but there's nobody there that is really going to make you afraid. And that that kind of um hurts them with their um year three thing, the thing we always talk about. Because if you look at the schedule based off of what they had, you can easily see four and eight. I mean, it's not even hard to get to four and eight. No, it's like not. with like a four or five game losing streak in the middle, um, mm-hmm. beginning with LSU and like ending with Georgia, and it, it, the the season could go sideways on them in a hurry. Mm-hmm. But well, good. I I think their defense will be okay, probably middle of the pack in the SEC. But it's is junior and seniors, yeah. you know, um, and I think their offense is going to be fine. Um, and, and the thing about the wide receiver position, um, with any other program, this would be a huge, huge red flag, huge issue. But with Mike Leach, I, I just don't think it is because he can take these no-name guys. Like <laughs> what he did with Wes Welker, who you know was a mm-hmm. was a freaking half-star recruit out of Tulsa, like had no offers, was just getting ready to go to community college and get on with his life. And Mike Leach called him; it was the only offer he ever had, and he just he just balled out. Mm-hmm. I mean, he takes guys like that who you never you never know. And because of the system, you know, call it what you want. I'll be a system guy. That's fine with me. Yeah. They they fit. The important thing and the part that Will Muschamp at defensive coordinator is going to have to get right against Michael Leach is you never, ever, 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 ever play man coverage against this passing offense. If you play man coverage, they will eat you alive and they will throw for 670 yards like they did against LSU. Mm -hmm. And just never, you drop eight, it's boring. And I understand it's boring, but you have to do it every play because if you don't, they're going to take advantage of you go right down the field and Georgia has so much talent that the trap is there for Georgia to fall into. Yeah. Blitz blitz and play man behind it and you'll get picked apart. And that's what, that's what Leach wants you to do. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's all a part of his setup and defensively it's very Joey Dunnish. They're going to blitz the heck out of you. Hopefully Stetson is mobile um, and gets there. His feet will probably, Serve him pretty well. Yes, that that's that, that's what served him well all last season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that you know the defensive front um, it obviously is going to be good. They're led by Nathan Pickering. Uh, he, he's a he's a veteran guy. How they're going to replace Aaron Brule, uh, who who law, who left for Michigan State? I don't know what they're going to do there. But you have Jet they're Johnson. Not, I think they're I th- I, yeah. I think they have um, holes all at the linebacker position. That's that's their defensive hole. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a big problem because, and especially in this league, especially against a team like Georgia, Georgia Georgia might just cram the freaking ball down their throat and, and be done with it. I mean, and, yeah. and they very well could. I mean, these linebackers are probably the the well, if not for Vanderbilt, they would have been the weakest unit in the in the conference. But I, I just think that they're just going to have to they're just going to have to be big play reliant defensively is is what I see. Yeah, I think Lad McConkey becomes the dude. 
to watch in that game. Um, mm-hmm. I think um, AD is going to get taken away by Emmanuel Forbes. Emmanuel Forbes is a tremendous yeah. cornerback. He's a dude. He is a yeah, he and, is a dude. Um, but the middle of the field can be attacked. Oh, it's going to be um, it's going to be the Brock Bowers Land. Brock Bowers, yeah. Yeah, it, it just straight in the middle of the field. Yeah. And Arik Gilbert it, is going to feast. I mean, it's as somebody, gonna... yeah, as somebody has watched um, back-to-back egg balls and know ex- kind of what they want to do, mm-hmm. um, that's it. Now, last year Mississippi State just didn't have a chance. Uh, no. That game was over. That game was over. Yeah, Ole, Ole Miss was, through the second quarter. <laughs> Ole Miss is like, yeah, Sugar Bowl. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, because Ole Miss is an RPO team. And yeah. Mississippi State is weak at linebacker. Like, if you're weak at linebacker, you, you play an RPO heavy team like Georgia is, like Ole Miss is. You're gonna you're gonna get smoked. Mm-hmm. But you you play a team that's still trying to figure out what they're trying to do, or you play a team that comes in there all cocky and want to play man like like LSU did. It, it's gonna it's gonna be ball game for for. They should have fired Ed Orgeron right after that game. They really should have. I mean, that's <laughs> that was like. Mike Leach had Mike Leach cut half his roster <laughs> and put up 600 yards. Like year one, Mike Leach, like year one, Mike Leach, he comes in and just he he takes all the upperclassmen and says, "All right, if you don't like me, kick rocks. I don't care." Yeah. And, and yeah, but it's yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he he just alpha meld is like we're going to stop and we're going to do what we do. We're LSU. Um, we've uh, got a top five pick playing cornerback at okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. the top five playing cornerback, he might guard his man, but uh, they're going to run mesh till the freaking cows come home. And mm-hmm. those linebackers stand zero chance. Yeah. And yeah, guess what? I don't know if you know this, Steve, but Mississippi state, they, they offer scholarships too. Yeah. Like they have, they, they have scholarship players too. Uh, they have some pretty good ones. They just sent one to the NFL. They sent two to the NFL. Yeah, they they sent uh, a wide receiver to the to the uh, to the, to the uh, Baltimore Ravens, and uh, they uh, sent one over to Ole Miss. Lee Keith he mm-hmm. said he said enough of this. I'm going to the other side. Uh, but Jaden Wally, he's going to get drafted. Austin Williams, he's going to, you know. He'll he'll be a nice weapon there for for Mike Leach and then, but he's got like he's got to figure out a way to get these Jaquavius Marks and Dylan Johnson involved more, which he'll probably go a lot of twenty twenty one personnel, uh, which is what he did a lot uh, early on I think and he did some of that at Washington State because he had two pretty good running backs with Alex Borgie and whoever the other guy was he thought he was good enough to do twenty personnel but um that they're a that's like a base formation there right. Yeah, is that twenty? That twenty personnel formation, and they do a lot of swing outs with the backs. They they use the backs in the pass game a lot with that. Yeah, wheel routes all day long. Yep, wheel routes. Uh, you have uh, arrow routes where they're the they're the number one option, and uh, they call it Y corner, uh, but it's really just like a three man snag concept where you have the outside guy running a bullet slant in. Uh, you have the middle guy running the corner. And then the third guy, which a lot of times in Mike Leach's offense is the running back, you have him darting out to the flat. So mm-hmm. they do a lot of that. They do a lot of mesh, uh, four verticals. Air Raid loves the four verticals. They call it the six six route. Yes. And part of that route is it's not verticals the way that people think about it, it could be verticals. The wide receivers train to look back about every five yards 
because the ball yeah. could be coming at any point. It, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's really much a killer. It really is. It's a, it's a one step rhythm, mm. and that ball should not be completed. If that ball is completed more than fifteen to eighteen yards down the field, you're doing it wrong. It's not mm. a it's not a chuck it. <laughs> it's not a chuck and duck. It's not a big five step from the shotgun and, and load up and just heave it down the field like people think vertical routes are. That's the biggest misconception with vertical routes. And that's something you yeah. have to teach the kids too. Like you have a young quarterback, they want to just sit back and just show off their arm, which if they can if they can get a good rhythm, good one step rhythm and and really kind of take advantage of pre snap. If you got if you got a good pre snap guy like Will Rogers, they can do that. Mm. And Jaden Wally can you, you know, you, you get a team that decides they want to play man and they get cocky. Yeah. That, that's the kind of stuff that happens. So it's a, it's a huge trap to teams like LSU teams like Georgia teams like Alabama, because yeah. you should be able to do this. You have better players than them. But the fact is the scheme is designed for your confidence. It's going to take advantage of everything that you think you do well. Yeah. And force you to do something you don't do very well. And that's the reason I think it was Washington that figured out with Mike Leach that if you just go back to the drop eight and uh-huh. just keep everything in front of you, it, it's kind of like um, well, it's like Barry Odom, the water, the water boy, and everything. Yeah. How, how do you like my offense? You know, yeah, it, it's re- real similar to that. Exactly. Yeah, it's Barry a. Odom is a disciple of that drop eight thing yeah. in Arkansas. I mean, it, it's it's that really- John Haycock system. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's. It's good. You, you just clog. If you can clog up their zones, they, they really kind of. Sh- what the drop eight does is allow you to get home with, you know, with three rushers, four rushers. Yeah, I know, we started doing that last year. That became yeah. our primary defense, and uh-huh. we, we we had a guy with thirteen sacks, and another one was seven, and another one was like eight or ten, somewhere in there. Yeah, there, it was a ton of sacks. <laughs> And that was just rushing three players. And then I guess um, secondary rushing the middle linebacker whenever the quarterback left the pocket because you're taught back to th- not to throw against the grain back to the middle of the field. Right, right. So the middle zone right there, linebacker, just vacates and just immediately rushes because you're not going to throw the back. No. Throw it back. No, you're not. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and and those guys feast and they went on the, they, they win their one-on-one battles. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, that, that's the Mississippi State Bulldogs. I'm – if if Georgia was playing them the third fourth game, I would say it'd probably be a blowout. Although it would be uh, nervous with that defense, yeah, they do need do need a little bit of time to gel. Maybe a game six, game seven, you'd feel really good. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want them early in the season. I don't want them late in the season. No, because they might be. If they win a few of those games, that could get could get hairy. It it could turn out to be really good for them. Like, yeah. They're a feast or famine. Like they, it's either going to be chicken salad or chicken, you know the rest. So, uh, but, but but I like. But that. if they're three and six when they play you, oh, don't worry, and you're fine. They'll fold like a cheap. Yeah, yeah, they'll fold like a cheap tent. And, yeah. and and Leach will be a dead man walking because they're they're not going to put up with that. It's not Washington State. They're not it, happy it, going six and six. Washington State it, was ready to build them a statue at six and six. The state could go eight and three, lose to Ole Miss again, and that'd be three in a row. Mike Leach is in trouble, even with this schedule going eight yep. and four. It, 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 he, he's got some issues that could potentially be coming down the road. 
Oh yeah. Lots of them. Mm-hmm. Lots of them. Cause Mississippi state is not a, not a recruiting hotbed, but you know, he's got the stones to, to do it, but uh, that's uh that's Mississippi state. Well, stop me. If you've heard this one before Georgia landed another number one overall tight end, hmm. another five-star. Yeah, it feels like y'all are doing He'll, this. He will be a semi regular. Yeah, I know he's the he's the number one rated tight end in the class of twenty twenty four. Landon Thomas from Colquitt County, uh, the former home of Rush Probst. Uh, he decommitted from FSU. He was committed to FSU for the longest time. Decommitted in October. And Todd Hartley, man, give that guy a raise, man. He is, dude. He's just picking them off, man. Like you have a tight end room that's filled like this and you're still pulling these guys in because Todd Munkin shows that, Hey, I'm not scared to use these guys, you know, but he's six, five two twenty, uh, big time playmaker. Uh, they also got, uh, his teammate, uh, Nye Carr, who also committed, uh, from Colquitt County as a receiver, kind of a smaller, uh, I say smaller, he's six foot, um, the first two commits of the 24 class for, for Georgia. So, but it's just like, have you ever seen a school recruit a, a position as elite as Georgia has with tight ends? Probably Bama and DBs back in the mid, mid 2000, 2010, 2011 at that point where they were just assembling lining back there. Like, Oh, this, this guy's the next Ed Reed, you know? Yeah. They go from, and, they go from Minka Fitzpatrick to, yeah, <laughs> Marlon Humphrey. I mean, they had a who's who of of DBs. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Prob probably that because DBs are Nick Saban's thing. That that that's what yeah. he wants to do. Um, yeah. But yeah, probably that LSU um, potentially with DBs. There was about a ten year period where they were putting out first round picks pretty consistently, to where the DBU argument started to come up. Yeah. But yeah, not at the tight end position. If you notice when I'm sitting here doing my examples, it's all in the defensive backfield. Um, yeah, like, yeah, th- there hasn't, like, on the offensive side of the ball, there hasn't been a school that's really recruited another position or at least a skill position as elitely as, as Georgia has with tight ends. Like, wide receiver recruiting is usually pretty spread out, running back recruiting is usually pretty spread out. Georgia's done a good job, but they haven't racked in talent, raked in talent like they have with tight ends. Uh because, you know, you know, when Lane Kiffin was at Alabama and he recruited all of those wide receivers Mm -hmm. to where he just put this elite unit together, they had a chance to do it. But even it fell apart and they had to go get a transfer that's basically Jamison Williams. Yeah. They 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 came they came real close. Uh Mm -hmm. LSU you could probably say did it with uh, Terrace Marshall, uh, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase, but that's still only three guys. You know, yeah. yeah so it was a Kaon Butte, Butte um, yeah. had his chance, but you know he he he's on the Christian McCaffrey plan. Yeah, he's just <laughs> Christian McCaffrey uh, towards ACL <laughs> reading the tweet about Baker Mayfield. Um, yeah. yeah, I just like you just get the top guy every single. You get the top two guys every single mm-hmm. year. Like you you your tight end room is freaking elite man like your entire tight end room could start for anybody in the conference like your Ohio fifth guy could start yeah yeah i could see yeah i could see that yeah. they, they they got nfl guy after nfl guy after nfl guy after mm-hmm. nfl guy great college guys but for some yeah. reason they they don't pan out too well in the, in the pros hopefully justin fields will uh change that mold but cj stroud is 
CJ Stroud's a dude. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State. Let's let's look at some of the other. Um, now that we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna start to kind of head off the rails a little bit here. Um, we're gonna look. I, I want to look at some of these other odds for these other conferences. Like uh, the Roadrunners are favorite favored to win the the conference USA. Never thought I'd see that see that day. Um, but uh, the Big Twelve conference is uh, SEC loaded. Sure. Yeah, you got shocking. Oklahoma and Texas, two SEC teams, uh, favored to favor to, to duke it out in that conference. Um, I, I really like Baylor in that conference. Like if I, I they're, they're plus they're plus six twenty five. I, I don't know. There's a huge betting upside to that, but I really like them to to repeat. Well, playing Baylor and watching what they do, they, it reminded me very much of Nick Saban at Michigan State. Yeah. That that that's what Baylor looked like. Dave Aranda has these guys clicking. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, I'm telling they you, play that, hard for him. Yeah, that that they got something cooking down there in Waco. Yeah, they do. Um, I, I don't I don't like the TCU is. I think TCU is a little high at plus twelve hundred. I think they should be a little bit lower on that end. I I like Kansas State where they are. Uh, I like Oklahoma State where they are. F- plus five fifty. I think the Oklahoma State Baylor. Uh, are your two dark horses again? They're they're your two teams that are sitting in the wings. That if Oklahoma and Texas slip up, I don't like Texas being the the second favorite. I, they they just choke every single year. I, I just don't see it. Um, very Notre Dame ish. Yeah, very. They're in a definite show me pattern here. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I might just throw K. I might just throw five dollars on Kansas because uh, they're at twenty five plus twenty five thousand. <laughs> I just just. It's five dollars. Yeah. Why not? Like five, five bucks to win twelve hundred bucks. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> It'd be crazy. Um, but yeah, that's that's the Big Twelve. I mean, it's pretty pretty much you know is what it is. I like Kansas State is my favorite dark horse in this league because they are so freaking physical, man. They're like the anti Big Twelve team. Well, Baylor's so physical now. They're turning into the SEC in the Big Twelve. Yeah, it, it's turning into defense and running the ball. It's 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 weird. Now the SEC is now the spread conference. I love it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, looking at the Big hey, Ten, Nebraska fourth. Oh, I don't I don't like that at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna get they're gonna get their annual ass kicking uh, at Iowa. Uh, I don't like Michigan State being lo- so low. Um, I would probably switch Iowa and Nebraska at the very least. Um, keep in, I mean, the, these odds are pretty good. Otherwise, I mean, Ohio state's going to be loaded, but what are they going to have on defense? They're so, they're so soft. Yeah. Like they, yeah. they have, they have nothing on the offensive defensive lines. They're turning into the Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma team. You know, yeah. They're just, charm and extra soft. They're just so soft. They're like a seven on seven team. Yeah. You roll up in a seven on seven. They ain't losing. Yeah. USC was already soft, by the way. Everybody's talking about Lincoln Riley's going to turn around. He's like, they were already soft. There is no oh, like hardness they, for him to walk soft. into. No, no. Yeah. No, they're going to be, they're going to be super, super extra sharp. Yeah. Um, I, I like Michigan. Michigan's plus 1,000. That's probably a decent bet, but I, I'm not going to bet on, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to bet on snow and um, Columbus this year. Well, it, it, snow, no snow. Michigan, Michigan showed that showed how soft Ohio State really is. Mm. 
I mean, then they got their ass handed to them against Georgia in the Orange Bowl. But um, Aiden Hutchinson, the number two pick, was just getting jelly-legged and ragdolled by Jamari Sawyer all all game long. uh, He went to New York. Good grief. What's wrong with the, the kid from Alabama stayed home, but he got to go to New York. I know, right? Will Anderson, the yeah. best freaking defense, the best player in the country was Will Anderson. Yeah. That dude changed games, man. That dude was, and he's coming back. That's what's scary about it. Yeah. You know, the and most excited person about um, Will Anderson coming back, and that's Dallas Turner. Mm hmm. Because he gets to go on the other side and have seen he's going to, he's going to be the one that just wrecks people this year. Yeah. How about the uh, how about the the SEC? I mean ACC. Uh, Clemson's favored to win again at minus one thirty, and they're just favored because nobody else is good enough to really take it. <laughs> you know, I actually like. Um, if I had a hundred bucks to put down, I'd put a hundred bucks on NC State. Yes, I, uh, a lot of people. A lot of people are. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm nervous about that. They're plus seven hundred though. Yeah. It's not a bad bet. Uh, UNC's plus 2,500. My dark horse, I, I really I really think Wake Forest is a good bet at plus 1,800. They have some upside and a very weak conference. Uh, Virginia has some, has some decent upside at plus 2,500 um, to, to, you know, throw 10 bucks on. You know, it's not going to, you know, don't bet your house on Virginia. So if you're listening, just don't do that. But uh, FSU... I, what are they under Mike Norvell? They're a quarterback away. Yeah. yeah basically. Um, yeah. Kenzie Milton. <laughs> Duke, 500 to one. That's twice as bad odds as Kansas. Kansas is 250 to one. Oh, that's bad. How bad is Duke going to be this year? Bad, man. Oof. When Kansas doubles you up, that's yeah, not good. Oh. Although Lance Leopold's doing doing a good job, but yeah, I, I think it's funny. Like the Kansas State Kansas game is go, it's going to turn into an old fashioned slobber knocker. Yeah, they're just going to freaking maul each other. Uh, it's going it, it, to a blowout in that game is going to be like seventeen to six. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be seventeen to six. You'll be like, dude, Kansas State just freaking mauled them. Yeah. Um, I, I really like the, 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 my favorite part about Wake Forest is the fact they got Sam Hartman coming back. Okay. Um, I like, I like the odds because I don't have trust in Clemson. Clemson's like negative, um, one I'm not putting which, money on, on that. Yeah. I, I'm not even going to touch that because DJ ukulele is still the quarterback at Clemson. Well, I wouldn't say that, but. And uh, he's um, not going to win that job. It's going to be. Um, but if it's Klubnik, he's a young guy. I think Klubnik's going to win the job. There's no way ukulele can win that job yeah, after what he put out last year. Klub, Klubnik is a fantastic quarterback, but he's still going to be a true freshman. That is true. That is true. And and Clemson opens with um, Georgia Tech, if I'm not mistaken. At they the, do. At the, I almost said at the Georgia Dome, but at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> which might as well be the Georgia dump. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, it, there's no way ukulele is the quarterback there. There's just no By way. The way. 
Bryce Coon, um, who is the guy that comes on my show from time to time from Georgia Tech, we always yeah. joke back and forth that you got they let Georgia design their schedule because if y'all have a chance to go look at Georgia Tech's schedule, it's just look at murders it. row. Yeah, yeah. Just 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 look at it and laugh. It's, it's like who did this? It's like you're trying to get the coach fired. <laughs> it's it's bad. It is real yeah. bad. Yeah, you got a road game at UCF. And somehow that is like the ninth hardest game on your schedule. God, oh, <laughs> Yeah, that's – oh, boy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. Yeah. I mean, I could probably even make Georgia fans feel a little bit sorry for them. Man, maybe not. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, good grief. I, it'll be nice to enjoy that. And, and my, my Rebels go out to Bobby Dodd. Um, this year, by the way, on the Locked On Ole Miss podcast channel, there's a nice little history on there about why Georgia Tech is not in the SEC. Uh, I broke that down for about 30 minutes and talked yeah, about all it, that. It's it's really really good. Listen, if you mm-hmm. haven't, yeah. Um, at Georgia Tech, oh god, yeah, Georgia Tech. Uh, under their 20, 2021 fun stats, their first their first half scoring, uh, they're getting outscored in the first half, two hundred forty five to one forty three. Mm. Their red zone, t- uh, they're, they're giving up red zone touchdowns at a sixty one percent clip, and, and scoring at a forty nine percent clip. Yeah, this got to be the last of Jeff Collins, right? Yeah, and and I have family members that are Georgia Tech fans. God only knows why. Um, and they asked me what I thought of George, Jeff Collins, and you know, of course, at first they took my. I told him that told him he was a goofball, and they took my answer at first. They go, "Well, you're just a Georgia fan." I go, "Okay, look at him. He doesn't coach. He is too worried about." holding a, a Waffle House cup at his press conference. He's too busy trying to design the backdrop that they do the photoshops with, uh, photo shoots with. He's too worried about getting their pregame pump on the sideline for ESPN so they can show it during the game. Like he's too he's too consumed with the peripheral stuff. Like, yeah, some of that stuff is good for recruiting. But you can't let that consume yourself. You got to actually coach the team at some point, yeah. you know. And he he just doesn't do that. And a lifelong Georgia Tech alum, probably one of their best running backs in their in their history, uh, was coaching for them. Tashar Choice decided that he was going to forego that. I mean, he probably got more money too, but he uh, he went to Texas. He left Georgia okay. Tech for Texas. Like he was Mister Georgia Tech. Like he was, like he was probably the one that bled blue and gold. Like he had yellow. Like if you stabbed him, yellow jackets would come flying out of his chest. Like that's how that's how much Georgia Tech was was in his system. And he was like, Nah, I'm good. Yeah, and it, it, it's crazy. Now I like the Georgia Tech uniforms. Them going to the blue and everything. I yeah, like I, them get, yeah, I, yeah, I like I, their I, new look. Adidas has done a really good job mm, with which that. Which is not I something like these, you say very often. I, I I know, right? I like these mm. white helmets that they have. They have a good color scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, there's so there's so many things they can do. I, I like that they finally went with the the logo at midfield again, and not at the 25s like they had it before. Well, um, they're just they just scream JV football though. Yeah, and the, and, and the, they took JV. Bobby Dodd to turf. 
they've been grass forever and they took them to turf. Nah, I don't, that doesn't really bother me. And with the, that, that bothers me because the way that Bobby Dodd is set up, it's already a tight quarters situation, almost like a bandbox type stadium, like San Jose state or somebody like that. Yeah. And then you add that, that turf down there and it just gets so hot and it takes away a little bit of from the experience. Now it might be good when Georgia rolls in the weekend after Thanksgiving, but when Ole Miss goes in there the second or third week of the season, it's going to be 140 degrees on that turf. Yeah. Yeah. But y'all are used to it. I mean, y'all practice on turf. Bought him yeah, in those turf mean, for a long time. Are y'all, are y'all back to grass? We're back to grass. We've been back to grass since 2016. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Ole Miss is going to come in and just freaking beat the brakes off of them. I'll be an Ole Miss fan that weekend. I'm an Ole Miss fan just about every weekend. I like Ole Miss. Yeah. If Jackson Dart um, reaches his potential, this team could be scary good. Where, uh, so is Jackson like coming out of spring? Is Jackson Dart like clearly, clearly the guy or is it still kind of like Luke Altmyer's the guy right now? Oh. And it's it's going to come down to fall camp, and there might be a two-quarterback system at the beginning of the year um, because basically what's happened is picture Brett Favre and Drew Brees having a quarterback competition. And you have Jackson Dart who wants to throw the ball downfield. He thinks he can make every throw. He turns the ball over. He's kind of loose with the football. And then you've got hyper-efficient Luke Altmyer, yeah, who is his check downs and does what he's supposed to do. Nothing really flashy, but he's not going to get you in trouble. True. True. Okay. I like that. Mm. I like that. Well, before we get out of here, um, I, uh, we talked about the, the top 10 stadiums in, in the, in the sec. So that prompted me to make a graphic. I, I, I wanted to redesign this, uh, one of believes like top 10 graphics that I saw. And it was part of my, it was part of my, uh, practice for, um, for a uh, Photoshop. Okay. And so I just use top 10 stadiums as my guide. Um, and I'll put out the graphic so you can see the graphic, but um, I want to include our, our, our new people, Texas and Oklahoma in this list. Okay. Okay. So uh, here, here's my list so far. Uh, I'll go top down. I'll just go top 10, the bottom four screw them. They don't get any mention. Okay. Number one, death Valley. Yeah. Without a doubt. No Obviously. argument here. No, yeah. Okay. Number two. I say Nayland. That place gets yeah. freaking loud. Yeah, that game with the mustard and the golf ball and all that last I think year. It's hostile. Yeah. yeah, that that shows what that stadium can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Nayland, Nayland can be a special place, but it also can be a graveyard. That 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 place can have the most fantastic atmosphere in the world, but if Tennessee isn't doing well. That could just be like an, a cavernous, empty graveyard. Yeah. But I'm grading them on – they have a Rocky. high ceiling. Yeah. yeah. They have yeah. a high ceiling, low floor. They're, they're probably yeah. – they're probably they could probably go from number two to number 14 real quick. Yeah. Well, they, number 13. They're the most volatile stadium in this group yeah. for ranking purposes. Uh, number three is going to surprise a few folks, but – I like Jordan Air as number three. Jordan Hare at night is a it's let's ridiculous. just say a difficult place to play. It's it's, it's hard to do. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It is freaking ridiculous. Uh you ever been to Williams Bryce on, on a on a on a uh 
on a night game? No, but in 2009, Ole Miss went over there third in the country and walked away with a with an L. And that place was nuts, and Sandstorm was going absolutely yeah. crazy. And the fans are nuts, and their team yeah. is never good. But they yeah. always pack that place out. And early in the season, they play they 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 schedule all their games for noon early in the season, <laughs> and it's freaking hell's waiting room. Uh, it's hot. It's loud. I, I talked to Israel about this too, and he said that was his least favorite place. Okay. Uh, so Williams Bryce at number four. Uh, I like Sanford Stadium at number five. Okay. Uh, I think the additions that they've made uh, and, and some of the stuff that they've done with the experience, I think it moves it into the top five. Uh, on real, like lately, they've been able to affect the games. Like they had the the crowd was responsible for eight false start penalties against Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, I re- I remember that game. Like they um, can clearly. they can really really affect the ball game there. And it can really turn into a hostile place real quick. Um, the, but the the thing about Sanford is it's a um high ceiling. It's also a high floor. It, yeah. it can't drop down below that. There's a pretty consistent level there. Yeah, um, I think the lowest it can get is probably seven in these rankings. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not going to fluctuate very much um, because you're always going to. It's always going to be packed. It's always going to be pretty crazy. And the way they design it now, it, it's more vertical, so the sound mm-hmm. stays in there a lot better than it used to. Uh, they've closed in the bridge a little bit now, um, and the recruiting experience is. is Outstanding. Uh, number six is Kyle Field. I mean, it, when you have 175,000 people in your stadium crammed in, uh, it's going to get loud. It's going to be kind of hostile, but it but it can be pretty docile. It's going to be loud. They're going to be doing their dance routines. Um, the yell leaders. Yeah. And, oh God, yeah. Like I said, they had like 114,000 in 2014 against Ole Miss, got their butt beat, and – I mean, it didn't really affect the game at all. Right. Um, but, I mean, I, I guess you can see it, but I haven't seen it, Rowdy. I want to see a Texas A&M-Texas game. I want to see Kyle Field in that game, and that'll probably t- let us know what it could be like. Yeah. And it's been close, but not mm-hmm. quite not quite to the potential that it could be because I don't think Texas A&M has performed as well. Uh, number seven is the Swamp. That's about right. It, it can it, – yeah. You, the same thing the, is kind of similar to Georgia. You could see it at its best being around four or five. You could see it at its worst about seven or eight. Yeah. Somewhere as, as a high ceiling, high floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight, Bryant Denny. Um, yeah. Bryant Denny to me, it is, it's, it's a high ceiling, high floor again, but it's mainly just because Alabama is so good. I've been over there to see a game, and it, it it wasn't that special of an atmosphere. I mean, they parade it there. Could, it could be better. Yeah. Like, there's no reason Brad Denny shouldn't be number two. They parade 17 national championships, and you look at the date, and one of the years Alabama was like four and five, and it was like, what? And they count it, but yeah, you know, there's so many flags on the field. It looks impressive, but, you know, you yeah. know don't, don't research it too much. The, the next two teams were on the original list without – without Oklahoma and Texas, which is Mississippi State at nine, Arkansas at 10. But those two, I think those two get bumped. I think uh, whatever 
whatever Oklahoma Stadium's called, Memorial Stadium, I guess, uh, goes in at nine. Uh, DKR goes in at, at 10. DKR uh, is, is one of those, like like Kyle, Kyle Field, it's in there because it's over 100,000. It does get loud there. They can have some – they do have a good atmosphere, great tailgating, great fan base, hungry – yeah, the one thing that you see from Texas fan, they've kind of fixed it over the years where they almost ruined it. Yeah. So, yeah, pay attention to that this season. The atmosphere isn't what it was because now there's like a snazzy seating area, like a club area in the end zone where you can sit that's shaped like a longhorn. And, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's a little bit weird. But that's the reason they're down at 10 as yeah. opposed to being up in the middle of the conference. Yeah. And, and and the best road home stadium in the conference goes to Vanderbilt. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, th- I think Georgia is um, basically sold it out. Tennessee is checkerboarded out Vanderbilt Stadium, which That's is the sad. most embarrassing thing I've ever that heard That is of. the most pitiful thing. That's the most yeah. pathetic thing I've ever heard yeah. in my life. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, oh, you got to be shitting me. Yeah, it's so bad. I was like, you, you got it. You got to be kidding me. But well, Steve, um, I told the audience where they could find you. Um, but before we wrap up, where can we find you? You can catch me, um, at the locked on Ole Miss podcast on YouTube. Please subscribe. If you have tell a friend, get them to subscribe. You can also catch me on the y'all's conference network page with Corey. Please subscribe to that page. Um, when we do live screen streams, you can chat, we can do like that. And we're trying to grow all these different things, but we, we want to make following your team fun again. And that, that is the whole goal behind all of this is to make it fun. We're not so much into news. We're into what you're talking about, what interests you. And we will commentate on that and we'll give perspectives and commentary and try to do really cool things. Yeah, absolutely. And and we, we, we do that uh, with spades on SEC After Dark, our off-the-rail segments truly get off the rails, and it's hilarious. Um, Beast of the East and Best of the West are, are two shows that kind of encompass that. It, you know, Beast of the East is just kind of like a Eastern spin on SEC After Dark. Uh, Israel and mm-hmm. I uh, join forces with Vinnie Hardy from Believe in Kentucky, and we, we do the be- uh, Beast of the East, and we just we just go, man. We we just rock and roll, and Vinny Vinny's been great, uh, great addition to that show. Uh, the three of us, um, so you know, we, we had trouble all three getting together uh, for for a stretch, uh, but I think when we finally all get together consistently, it's going to be that show is going to jump off the page, and then of course this one, uh, you you subscribe. Our stuff is scrolling down there below at Believe in Dogs. I, I've, I'm growing a TikTok prep presence. Ooh. Yeah, uh, no dances yet. <laughs> not there yet. If we if we get to one thousand subscribers, I'll do a dance. How about that? <laughs> I'll do the uh, I'll do one of the w- one of those Walker Hayes dances, like the fancy like dance. I'll do that one. Um, might be one I can. That might be the only one I can do. Or I'll hit the gritty. Who knows? I'll let you oh, choose. Yeah, don't do. Don't do. I'll, that. I'll let y'all choose. If we hit a thousand. I'll do one. Um. So yeah. When we hit a thousand, not if, when, when we hit a thousand, mm. I'll do one. So subscribe, comment, find us uh, wherever you can get your podcast. Also find us on YouTube. Uh, our show uh, and the All's Conference Network show is linked to our YouTube page at Believe in Dogs. So you can actually get that there as well. So uh, it doesn't matter, but subscribe to both. Tell a friend, 
Uh, mm-hmm. if, if, if you're one of those, that's really into sec content, which during the season, you'll probably, uh, hopefully you'll immerse yourself in sec content. And you're not just wrapped up into one team, uh, then, uh, we're, we're, we're the place to go, but we are the believe and Georgia dogs podcast on the believe network brought to you also coming at you from brinks.tv presented by betonline.ag. Thank you, Steve, for joining me. And until then we will see you back here next week. Have a great weekend. Go dogs. This is the Georgia Dogs Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.